I had attended a networking meeting and finally realized this is how I could actually meet people to sell my photography. Because I never really doubted my skills, I just didn't know how to sell my work or who to sell it to. Came home and was just, and my wife's like, okay, so now it's time for you to figure out a plan to leave. And I said, what? She said, well, you've always said that if you could figure out how to make money from your photography, you would leave engineering. Well, sounds like you just did it. John Melora is my guest on today's podcast. John chose to leave a wildly successful 15-year career as a test engineer for NASA and military projects to become a full-time photographer. He is a multi-award-winning portrait photographer specializing in empowering and creative portraits that celebrate personal transformation. And in this conversation, he reflects of the journey that he went through to go through personal transformation. The theme of our conversation was around how do you serve others in unique ways while identifying what you want to do? Some my key takeaways were positive change is possible, how to make some career shifts when it doesn't seem like the appropriate thing to do, and just craft your own uniqueness. So hope you enjoy this conversation with my new friend, John Melora. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast, a show about how people bless and protect others and how you can do the same. I'm your host, Justin Thomas. Let's begin. John, cheers to you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. If you don't mind, I always like to uh, share how the guest has provided for me. And we are newly acquainted, but I listened to a podcast that you were on. And I just wanted to learn more about your story because it's a pretty fascinating one of transformation. So uh, thank you for being willing to share your story and talk with a new friend here. So thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Glad we're able to connect finally. What I think is fascinating is that on the surface level, you are a professional photographer. I think we all make an assumption when we hear what someone does, but your journey of becoming a professional photographer is just so fascinating and unique. And I think it can really inspire people to take on their own self-development journey. Maybe they have this burning desire to do a different job or industry. Thought it would just be a worthwhile conversation to learn how you got to where you are. Before we get into that crazy journey, what's the, what's the last project or two that you've done in your photography business that you could share with us just to give the listener a glimpse of your career? I always believe in, in giving back with my photography, first of all, because as, as I'm sure we'll get into, you know, this is a kind of a second crack at a professional career. So I feel very blessed to have had that opportunity to just even make a living from, you know, what most people just consider a hobby. So I feel very blessed to be able to do that and provide for my, you know, my wife and my three kids and my dog. So I'm always looking for ways to give back. And the most recent project I did was something that started almost a year ago called the Refigured Project. What started out is taking photos of people's physical scars and creating like really cool creative portraits of them to help them see themselves differently from their past wounds and hurts, stop seeing the negative side of it and look at them for what they truly are. Scars are actually a celebration and a mark of survival. When you scar up, it means your heart's still beating and you're, and you're here to, to fight another day. What started out taking pictures of people's physical scars morphed into this beautiful hybrid of not only physical scars, but mental scars. People coming in and and talking about past traumas, uh, we had a lot of veterans come in and share how their experience in the military and, and combat had had changed their outlook on life, and a lot of times not for the better. So that was my most recent project. During the shoots, as I was interviewing the people, I'd be hearing these stories, and sometimes it was all I could do to to keep myself together because 
you just have no idea what kind of pain people have had to carry with them through their lives and work through. So it was a, it was a very beautiful project. It reminds me of what we were just talking about earlier, of how we have this assumption when we hear people might've heard, Hey, you're a photographer. And they might've thought wedding photographer, or they might've thought like, you know, whatever else their experience with photography is. And we have these assumptions we go into when we often meet people. And then, you know, for those that are curious like yourself and take the time to actually get to know the person, uh, would you mind walking through that process? Cause I think we could all learn something from that of getting to know someone. I mean, you're doing it in the lens of having a portrait session with them, perhaps. Uh, how do you get to know someone? It's actually a skill I developed in the most unlikely of places over the years I'm at various military and government installations being dropped off in my previous career as a test engineer for NASA and military projects. My team would be the team that would go out and test these fantastic creations that were headed to space or to a combat zone to keep our troops safe. And my team would get dropped off somewhere where we were testing it. And they would say, okay, Melora, you're in charge figure out how to cut through all the red tape and make sure this test happens in 10 days. So I had to develop the skill very quickly to develop a rapport with people, you know, in, in an instant. And that just came with making the conversation about them. And I would walk into some base commander, some safety officers office, and, you know, they, they would have a posture of, you know, you're not bringing anything onto my base unless I say so. And diffusing the situation, sometimes quite literally, sometimes we were trying to get explosives onto a site, but diffusing the situation by noticing maybe they had a picture of them on a boat fishing with someone. And I'd immediately launch into, oh, or you're a deep sea fisherman, you know, where were you? And they automatically launch into some story about being off the coast of Cozumel with, uh, with their dad on some trip and, and just making the story about them and being observant to things around you and little clues to pick up on, to talk with people. So I use those skills whenever someone shows up for a portrait session, or I'm even doing the initial consult, just getting to know them and what their likes are, maybe, you know, hearing through some of their pain points and just really focusing the conversation on them. And isn't that funny how we need so many different skills to do the job that we're doing? Like you'd think, oh gosh, what in the world do you need to know about helping to disarm individuals or to get to know them when you're taking a picture? But it makes a lot of sense. And I bet you see a tremendous difference when all of a sudden they open up. Absolutely. It's, and what, what's really cool about the photography aspect is I have a visual record. Uh, I, I remember doing a session with a, a woman and she showed up and was was just absolutely striking. This is like... 9.30 a.m. on like a Tuesday. And she showed up and had her hair done, was in like a pair of like four inch heels, like a ball gown. I, I wasn't expecting that. That's usually not how people show up for a photo session, but she seemed so nervous. Before I even shot a single frame, I just, I just chatted with her about what was, you know, I just said, hey, what's, what's going on? You know, you want a bottle of water or something? Let's just, let's just chat. She shared with me that, that day was actually her 40th birthday, like that day that she was in for the photo session, which had been like rescheduled multiple times due to sick kids and travel and what have you. So it ended up, she, by the grace of God, ended up on her 40th birthday in my studio. And she had shared with me about how she used to be a model and had gotten married and had kids and put on weight and had subs, you know, was 
getting out of that relationship and was getting herself back in shape. I could just watch as she was sharing these stories with me, all these like layers of stress and this weight kind of physically lift off of her and proceed to have an amazing transformative photo shoot for her where she said, I'm so glad that you made me feel so comfortable. And it was such a wonderful experience. And now I have a visual record of this new chapter in my life starting on my 40th birthday. That's amazing. What's the problem that people often come to you for? I can tell you why a lot of times people don't come to me or why it takes them so long is they don't believe they're, they're worthy of having their photograph taken or they're, they're not, they're not going to look as good as they used to in the photos. You know, I had a, I had a headshot 10 years ago and I, I I'm so much older than I was then. And I'm like, yes, but this is you. So it, it's really having them change that script in their head instead of saying, I'm not as young as I used to be realizing that, well, that's actually probably a, a, a benefit for a financial advisor. You know, and I do a headshot for a financial advisor. I'm not saying that you can't be a fantastic financial advisor when you're 24 years old, fresh out of school, but you know, there's something to be said for experience. Just have, having people flip that script in their head to say, okay, yeah, I'm not 24 anymore, but maybe that's, that's okay. And that's actually a benefit in some areas. It's amazing the positive psychology going into a photo shoot and how that translates into how they look. And you get to see that firsthand with it. So you've developed a lot of these soft skills with allowing people to open up and you've got the technical skills as well. So maybe for those that are in photography, would you just mind kind of going over some of your favorite equipment that you use at the moment? I'm like the worst person with gear. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a gearhead. I realize photography is one of those hobbies like uh, fishing, I imagine, and golf where people can get like so wrapped up in the equipment. But I always tell my students, they say, you know, having a $20,000 Nikon is not going to make you take better pictures. It will make it easier to take better pictures, but it's not going to make you a brilliant photographer. But all that being said, I, I shoot with all Nikon gear. The only reason was when I bought my first camera, which was a film camera back right as soon as I graduated college, because photography has been a hobby of mine since I was seven. Someone told me that Nikons were more or more, more difficult to break than a can. And I thought, well, I'm very hard on things. So yeah, I'll take one of the, I'll take the N80. Thank you very much from Nikon. And I just, you know, stuck with their, their ecosystem throughout the years. But you bring up a good point of, like rather than being a gearhead, you're just passionate about the hobby and developing it and, and connecting with people uh, with it as well. I, I mean, I'm curious myself. So I love uh, capturing moments. And one of the fun activities that we did as a family was just to look back at my camera roll and to see, to remind us what were the big memories we had as a family over the months. And so with you and your family, I mean, you do this as a profession, how do you capture the moments or what are some tips that you might give to the listeners that not a professional, but want to capture some meaningful moments with their family? Yeah. One of the, one of the biggest tips, especially with photographing kids and pets is to physically get down to their level. There are two pictures I always show whenever I'm, I'm teaching a class and the first picture, it's a picture of my daughter and son sitting on the couch reading like Jack and the Beanstalk together. And it's, it's a very cute picture. You know, it's in that golden hour. So the nice light streaming through the window. That picture is nice until you see the next one I took, which is where I, instead of taking it standing up like a six foot tall adult, I dropped down onto my knees and took a picture at their level. And it's amazing how changing that point of view, just a few feet 
now you're drawn into the story. Now, now you actually feel like you're reading the book with them. So that's one of the best tips that I can give to really make engaging pictures, especially with kids and also with pets, you know, getting down on, on their level. It's, it's a tremendous difference. You know, as you know, kids grow up so quick. It's interesting to look at the world from their point of view, especially looking back in pictures like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, you know, when you used to be that tall and this is how the world looked to you. What I'm finding so refreshing about our conversation so far is that fact that you're, you're helping to remind me and you're doing it in your profession is to literally get on the, the same height level of the individual when you're taking a picture of them, but also like, like you described, even before you take any pictures, you're doing the same thing by just getting at their level and seeing where they're all just to make that connection. And it seems like that's what you're doing, right? You're making the connection either relationally as well as physically when taking the, the photo shoot. Yeah. And it, and it goes back to looking back through my life, all the people that I was fortunate enough to have throughout my life that met me where I was at, at that time. I mean, that's essentially what I'm doing in a portrait session, meeting someone where they're at and then figuring out how to showcase them in a, in a, a way that they feel beautiful or worthy. And it's the same with, like I mentioned, dropping down to the same height as a child or a pet you're meeting them where they're at and you're seeing things from their point of view. And just think about how beautiful the world would be if people would pump the brakes and just metaphorically look at things from someone else's point of view. And thank you for sharing how you're doing that for others. Would you mind reflecting on your story and think about a moment or a person that really provided for you that stands out? Whenever I was interviewing, you and I were, were talking before, uh, you know, we went uh, on record here about going through job interviews where it was just like a phone interview before the, the, days, the days of Zoom. And when I was in college interviewing for this job for the space program, I number one applied for that job as a joke. My buddies and I were sitting around at the Shandy Gaff Saloon having chicken wings and some Michelob and saying, hey, did you guys see that, that email that came out asking people to work for the company that makes the space suit? Man, that'd be ridiculous. We're all going to be spacemen. So I sent my resume in the next day as a joke. And they called back and I thought, okay, well, I think they're the ones playing a joke on me. But so anyway, I, I went through the phone interview and I had on my resume that I taught rock climbing uh, for the Boy Scouts. I took a summer off. I had an internship fall through with Disney and didn't know what I was going to do. And when my fraternity brother said, hey, you're outdoors. You want to work at this Boy Scout camp? I said, I'm not a Boy Scout. I was never a Boy Scout. He goes, we'll train you how to do everything. So I did that. Spent the summer, first few weeks on a maintenance crew doing the, the unskilled jobs, like pulling dead mice out of toilets and uh, carrying everyone's tools around for them. But then they trained me to be a rock climbing instructor. And I managed to staff and, and we had, I think, almost 800 students over a few week period or, or scouts from inner city New York. So, you know, from Staten Island, you know, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, every, everywhere come. This is the camp that they all went to. So I think we had 800 of them successfully rock climb and rappel. And I put that on my resume, you know, amidst, you know, the other internships that I had, because I thought it showed, you know, some responsibility and just something different. And it was also what I did like my last summer before trying to get like a real job. So <laughs> it just was on there. And during this phone interview, the director of engineering all of a sudden got real quiet. He goes, it's this rock climbing thing. I, I just went through that whole spiel. He goes, hang on, someone just walked by. I want you to see. And they put me on hold. I thought, oh man, did I just blow it? And this real nasally voice got on the phone and he goes, hey, what do you think about rock climbing on Mars? And me being the proverbial smart aleck that I am just said, are you going to pay for my airfare? And immediately went, thought to myself, that was probably a bad decision. 
this like phantom nasally voice on the other end goes, get him down here for an interview. That interaction was what totally changed the trajectory of my, of my life, not just my professional career, because I was interviewing to be like a project manager for this company, which project management is not my strong suit. I've come to find out after being the professional world, the man that got on the phone, his name was Skip Wilson. And he was the lead test engineer for the landing systems for the Mars rovers that landed in the 90s and early 2000s. He was in charge of all the testing across the world for these type of things. He was former special forces guy. And when I showed up, like he and I just hit it off like a ball of fire. He is someone who truly met me where I was at and was, you know, a father figure for the first 10 years of my professional career until he, uh, you know, unfortunately passed away from cancer in 2012. So Skip was really someone who poured into me and really met me where I was at in my life. What a great example. Thank you for sharing. I mean, it shows what I love too about your story. It shows that sometimes we just need to do what we're passionate about and we're open to opportunities, even though you weren't necessarily passionate about rock climbing, you're, you're passionate about the outdoors and open to doing that adventure without the qualifications of a typical person like being an actual Boy Scout or wanting to do it as a profession and being open to the opportunity that was presented to you. And then I love how it's almost a joke that you apply for this role and just do it. And you're putting yourself out there, which I think is a really positive trait of yours. Like, hey, you're willing to put yourself out there, even come on the show with me here just to say, hey, I don't know this guy, Justin, but I'm willing to get to know him and meet him and, and share my story to bless and encourage others. And so you've got that that trait in you that allowed you to have this incredible journey. And so you go in there and uh, Skip mentors you. And so what kind of stuff are you doing? Yeah. So at the time we were working on the Mars exploration rover project that landed in 2000 and they landed in 2004 in January and February. And we were working on the airbag system. You know, they traveled to Mars for six months and come screaming through the Martian atmosphere. And, you know, there's flames shooting off of the heat shield and the parachutes deploy. It's all very dramatic. And then engines fire and it slows the whole thing down before it gets close to the ground and they cut away from the parachute. And now the robot's falling through the air. And what we were working on was a giant inflatable cocoon that would inflate up around them in a few seconds time. So whenever they impact the ground, the balloons are taking the impact and it's bouncing along. Like, I think it bounced like almost a mile on when it actually touched down. And then the airbags deflate in a controlled manner once it comes to rest and the robot drives out and does its little robot thing. We were actually testing these things in a giant space simulation chamber in um, Sandusky, Ohio. I mean, it, it's like someone scripted this. We were on an old abandoned or decommissioned World War II ammunition factory 25 square miles just out outside of Sandusky, Ohio. They're like these like random bunkers and just things like hidden back in the woods. And then you drive and there's this giant facility with this like concrete dome, like 150 feet in the air. I mean, it looks like something out of like a government alien movie. And you walk inside and it's all the government, you know, seafoam green paint from the seventies and it's all peeling off. But inside was this chamber that was, I think it was hundred feet in diameter by 120 feet high built back in the 1950s to get this test nuclear powered rocket engines. And it was constructed that if one of these rocket engines had a meltdown, it would be able to contain the radiation. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was totally just this wild facility. They never actually got that far to test those, but they would be able to evacuate and simulate the Martian environment with air pressure. And we would slingshot these airbags we had designed with a mock-up robot inside and at a rock field. 
So my, one of my jobs, among other other duties as assigned, I'm pleased to say I graduated past point dead mice out of toilets, which I had to do when I worked at the Boy Scout camp. <laughs> but one of my jobs was strap on my rock climbing harness and climb to the top of this wall that was filled with various rocks of different sizes that the geologists from the Jet Propulsion Lab would send to us from some volcano and somewhere um, and say, yeah, this is what we think the rocks are going to be like whenever we land here, slingshot them against these rocks. And my job was to go up there and put different colored of uh, contractor's chalk. You know, like if you snap a chalk line like during construction, I always thought it just came in blue, but apparently there's tons of different colors of chalk out there. <laughs> so my job was I'd go up there and sprinkle different color chalk over the different rocks. So we didn't know which rock did which damage. We'd be like, oh, the green rock tore it up. Okay, what's the shape of that one? All right, well, don't land anywhere that the rocks look like that, guys. So that was one of my jobs. So pretty wild. That is pretty wild and totally different than probably what you had envisioned for yourself. And you're, you're going along that job and it's going well for you and you're adding a ton of value. I believe another part of your story is how your wife provided for you by really encouraging you to take a look at your career and think about the next steps. And I think that's just a beautiful example of how we, we can all provide for each other by you know, having that encouraging word, maybe to just to let people free to explore the next steps. So would you uh, walk us through how in the world you went from all those different colors of chalk and rocks and working with NASA to then doing these beautiful portraits? You know, and sometimes that provision comes from a source that is so unlikely and catches you out of left field. And that's what I think makes it even more beautiful. You know, we're, we're very much a peanut butter and jelly kind of relationship. She's the peanut butter. Like she can, she, she holds things together. She keeps the schedules. She makes sure the kids school clothes fit. Meanwhile, I'm the jelly. I'm, I'm the just kind of, Oh, you know what we should do? We should do this, blah, 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 blah. But I have no idea how it's going to be executed. I'm just kind of, you know, all over the place. I remember it was, it was, I think, February 23rd of 2017. And the reason why I know that is that's the day when I realized I found a way to sell my photography services because I'd been in the corporate world for, I think, almost 16 years at that point. And I had left the company that did the NASA work. I, I was there for 15 and a half years. It was bought by venture capitalists and it became not the same company that I worked for. And I'd gone through a tremendous amount of, of personal change and how my view, how I viewed the world since uh, the death of my best friend in 2009. So I left that company and went to work for another engineering company because what, what self-respecting father of three, you know, goes and follows his passion for photography in Southern Delaware and leaves a six figure job. But at the end of February in 2017, I was just so miserable, especially at my new job. Um, the people were great. You know, I still got to work with aircraft, but I just, I just, I didn't care if the stainless steel screws were a 36 or a 36 a, like I just lost that, that drive to, to care about things, which I'm glad someone cares, especially when there's aircraft flying around. <laughs> so I knew like I was not only killing my spirit, you know, I realized like this could have some other ramifications beyond me. So I attended a networking meeting and finally realized this is how I could actually meet people to sell my photography. So I never really doubted my skills. I just didn't know how to sell my work or who to sell it to. I attended a network meeting at the end of February and came home and was just, bah, 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 bah. And my wife's like, okay, so now it's time for you to figure out a plan to leave. And I said, what? She said, well, you've always said that if you could figure out how to make money from your photography, you would leave engineering. Well, sounds like you just did it. You're miserable, dude. 
she's like, give it a try. She said, if it doesn't work out, get another job, like another engineering job. Who, you know, who cares? She's like, I've watched you be miserable for years. So that was the time she really provided some much needed um, kick in the pants, you know, if nothing else. Just that bravery and faith she had in me was just monumental. Especially just knowing a little bit that she's the peanut butter. Like she likes a plan and she knows what's going on. And that doesn't sound like her. I was caught out of left field. I was like, if anyone was supposed to talk me off the ledge, it was you. <laughs> You're not the one giving me a parachute saying, here, figure out how to put this on on the way down. Go get them, kid. <laughs> it's helpful for, for whatever role we're in. If we're in your role of feeling there's something else out there and maybe there's a spark, but you're not willing to make that big change. And maybe we're in the position like your wife is that we need to be that blessing speaker to encourage others and, and to say, now's the time with it. And so for those that haven't made that leap uh, to go from one career to the next, as you've reflected on the last several years, any uh, words of encouragement you want to give to people that are in that stage of life? Yeah, it's such a delicate balance between not being overcome by that paralysis by analysis where you want to have like every little thing totally nailed down because you'll, you'll never complete that checklist of making sure everything is perfect. One of the biggest piece of advice I, I can give to people that are looking to make the jump is to really have a good understanding why you want to. I actually didn't know why I wanted to. I just knew there was something in my heart of hearts calling me I wasn't where I was supposed to be anymore. This was not where God wanted me to be. There were a few times I can point to one of my engineering careers coming to an end. And I could, I literally heard like a little tiny voice, like right behind my ear saying time to go. And it was one of these like, what? Who? Yeah. Who said that kind of thing? People are always shocked when I tell them this is like, when they say, oh, cool. So you, so, so you already left one dream job. You worked for NASA. Like that's a dream job for people. Now you're a photographer. That's a dream job of so many. Are, is that what you're going to do the rest of your life? I'm like, probably not. And they're like, what? Well, because what I've come to realize and the reason why I always encourage people to really look into their heart of hearts of why, what is so appealing about something. I didn't know it at the time, but I knew that my photography allowed me to see the world differently and change other people's points of view because I started, I was a landscape photographer and I was known for like very, you know, instead of like the cool picture of the sunset, I'd find some weird little nuance from a different point of view. And that's, what's carried me through into my portraiture work. So being able to see the world and change other people's points of view is what I really love about photography. And I fell in love with portrait photography because I know what it's like to not feel worthy or good enough. And I like being part of someone's journey to change that script for them. So I always encourage people to really look about what really lights you up about this because photography is just a vehicle to help people see themselves in a much more positive way. What a great mission. Well, would you mind uh, just sharing with people how you're trying to intentionally provide for yourself in this season? Uh, you do meaningful work and any other ways. Uh, I find that often certain leaders have a hard time prioritizing themselves. And I like to just ask, how are you trying to do that? So what used to be my hobby and my decompression photography, well, now it's my full-time gig. And quite frankly, Justin, the last thing I want to do on the weekends when I'm relaxing is, is pick up my camera and sit in front of the computer and do more editing. That's, that's no longer relaxing because that's what my, my career is. So I love cooking. That's one of my things. And I very much approach cooking the way I approach photography. I, I don't really use a recipe. 
I just kind of go with the flow and whatever, whatever's working together. I have a general game plan and then just figure it out on the fly. This ties back into really understanding why you want to do something. I always wanted to photograph musicians and I, I've, I've had some wonderful opportunities to photograph some famous musicians. Like I, I photographed a Jimmy Allen, a rising country star. He's actually from right down the road, like grew up like six miles from where I'm at right now in Delaware. He's a Delaware dude. So it turns out it wasn't necessarily that I really wanted to photograph musicians, but I always had a lifelong dream to be a musician and never thought I had the talent until just this past summer, my buddy said, Hey, you know, we're looking to just kind of get a band together and just, yeah, just mess around and have some fun. And I'm like, well, I, I actually, I need a hobby. So I used to do martial arts and, you know, our sensei retired. So kind of got out of that. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up a guitar and, you know, I, I can muddle through enough, but I always had this belief that I wasn't good enough and I could never be a quote musician. Well, fast forward. Now we're like a full out rock band playing original music and booking concerts like into the summer already. And turns out it wasn't necessarily that I wanted to photograph musicians. I, that was the way I got around me not being a musician. Well, so now I am. <laughs> what a great story. Like without realizing it, that was a limiting belief you had of like, Oh, I'd love to get close to that, but I'm not that person. Yeah. And oh yeah, what a wow, beautiful gem to leave us with here. I really appreciate you sharing that. And for those that want to connect with you further or see some of your work or listen to your music, how do we get connected to you? So my website's melorafoto.com. And if you go on Instagram or Facebook and just type in John Melora, there's not that many of us. Melora is a pretty unique name. Although I'm told if you go over to Sicily, it's a lot more common, which is where uh, a lot of my genealogy comes from. But yeah, just John Melora on Facebook, Instagram, webpage, shoot me an email and uh, yeah, maybe look for us on tour. You know, who knows? <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, what's the name of the band? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah. So the name of the band is Great Big Liars. We're in discussions right now. Do we leave the Pinocchio as part of our Lego, our logo and have the impending legal battle that Disney, I'm sure, would levy on us? Or do we change it while we're still young? <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. We joke about it because we're all in our you know, mid thirties to early fifties. It's like, it's like the movie old school, but with music. <laughs> <laughs> well, was there anything else that I didn't give you a chance to reflect on that you wanted to leave our listeners with here? Uh, one of the biggest things that, that I, that I really like people to know is that positive change is possible. I, I used to show up in the world much differently than I do now. Now I show up, you know, very grateful, able to communicate, in a positive way, especially when something's upsetting me. And that wasn't always the case. I used to have very bad imposter syndrome and really had all these limiting beliefs, like you said, about myself and created this veneer of perfection that if I ever felt it was ever threatened, I would grip on so tightly to it. I would lash out with unkind words or, you know, very sarcastic and all of that changed whenever, you know, I, I had a, a huge change of heart after the death of my friend and uh, just was extended, except, uh, I guess I should say, I accepted the grace that, that Jesus gave me on that day when I asked for help and was at that rock bottom and not knowing how I was going to continue to go on. So positive change is, is possible. It's just really what I, what I want to leave people with and to, uh, encourage others in their journey to become a more positive version of themselves and to continue the journey of yourself. And if you haven't started yet, just take a little start. 
you'll be amazed when you look back and see how much progress you're actually able to make. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before you take off, I wanted to ask if you would enjoy getting a short email from me every Wednesday called A Kind Word. It provides a little positivity to help you get over hump day. It's free and shares highlights of things that have brought me joy over the past week. If you want to start getting a kind word from me, simply sign up at justinthomascoaching.com by entering your email address and you'll get the next one. That's justinthomascoaching.com. Thanks again for listening. Bless and protect.